Morning, Georgetown. <clears throat> if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, that will be our text this morning. Some of you are so shocked that we're not in 1 Samuel, but we'll get back to that later. Uh, tomorrow is the day. VBS starts. Woo! I'm excited, and all of the leaders in the whole world are excited because we finally get to see all those hundreds of smiling faces. They get to see all of the work like Ashley and Susan and the decorating team have done. All of the work that has gone into making this uh, the best week of summer, we like to call it. So we just have a, a picture of recreation for you to reflect on. This is the only time that kids can or kids should be running around. It's, unfortunately, it's not the only time they do run around in case you can't see. This is recreation outside. But if you'll imagine just for a second when those hundreds of people come through our CLC doors uh, just tomorrow morning, less than 24 hours, uh, if they go to snacks, uh, they'll probably eat around 50 pounds of goldfish and something um, in the realm of 50 packs of cookies. And when they go to crafts, they will make around 250 crafts. And that's a lot of crafts. Just ask Miss Heather and her team. When they come in here to chapel, uh, after church, just stack those last five rows. Make a little note real quick. Stack those against the wall. It'll be great. After church, not right now. Just stay right where you are. So, so those kids will come in here and they'll fill probably between 30 and 60 chairs, depending on which group comes in here. When they go out to recreation, people like Captain Hodge here are going to get to chase them miles down the road. When they decide that they're all done with this game, they're going to play a new one called Catch Me, if you can. <laughs> so pray for our VBS leaders. Uh, we're so excited to host them here tomorrow. And it's so much more than about numbers, although it is also about numbers, or on the order of 75 to 85 uh, adults or helpers will be uh, in the building and on the grounds tomorrow to make sure that these kids come away knowing that they can have hope in Jesus. Now, the way I put it sounds really Fortune 500-y, really very businessy, very like uh, budgets and buildings and butts and seats if it's like church speak. And, and it, it sounds like it's all just a number, but it's about individuals, isn't it? It's about individuals. And we have a, a basis for the idea that these numbers matter. And that was a story Jesus told his disciples that you probably remember that Jesus left the how many sheep? He left the 99 and he went to go find the, say it with me, the one, and so we have a basis that can tell us that VBS is worth it if it only touches one life. And it's so difficult because so many of us have these different ideas of what the bullseye is. The, for so many, the bullseye is the baptistry, and it's you win as long as you get wet. And for some others, it's if they come back next week and, and the attendance is up. And each one of us kind of judges VBS successful or unsuccessful based on our own metrics. And what I found in my very short time of doing VBS is that it is indeed about the one. It is about the one. And so in staff meeting a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a girl named Elisa. Now, Elisa 
is probably like a girl that many of you know. She just finished the fourth grade, moving on to fifth, but Elisa is that girl who struggles in school, not to do her homework, not to get good grades, but she struggles to just prevent every single thought that comes to mind from coming out her mouth. And some of you know what Elisa is like, and some of you were Elisa, and some of you right now are Elisa, and you talk all the way through church, and you need to shh just for a minute. You can invite your friends to help you put chairs away in a second. So Elisa is one of our individuals, and, and she comes to mind as we consider a, a VBS that is going to talk about the, the twists and turns. So let's tie this in real quick. You see all these game pieces and you might be thinking like in the game of life, well, following Jesus changes the, the game. That's our theme. Following Jesus changes the game. So these kids get to hear every day this week more about what it's like to follow Jesus. And I think it's so important for somebody like Elisa because at the end of fourth grade for her, the fabric of her life was torn when her mom and dad separated. And Elisa had to follow her mom. Her mom decided she was gonna move back in with her parents. Elisa didn't have a choice. She had to follow her. So Elisa leaves behind old friends, probably her first friends, the park where she first got on the swing, the park where maybe she first built up the courage to jump out of that swing, the school where she probably got in trouble for the first time and sent to detention for talking during class. Elisa had to leave behind everything she knew about home because it's where she was born and where she grew up until she finished the fourth grade when suddenly Elisa's childlike heart had to deal with adult-sized problems. And so Elisa's wondering as she's left here and now she lives here and she lives with grandma and grandpa and mom, but it's isolated because she doesn't live in a neighborhood like she used to here. Now she feels alone. And there were families all around her and they surround her with hugs and they're literally around her every minute of the day. Elisa needs more than what her family can give her. Elisa needs more than just hugs because the only place Elisa feels safe is in her room when she can close the door and she, she can go to her bed and bury her face and she can cry out to Jesus, why? Is it that I don't feel like you're here anymore? I hope Elisa is at VBS tomorrow. This week, Elisa and all of her friends will learn that following Jesus changes the game. The subtitle of VBS is Twists and Turns. And through the twists and turns of life, we can trust Jesus. Elisa and her friends will get to learn that this week. But I thought it'd be important for us to be reminded today, as I tell you all what the VBS theme is and explain why we've got crazy stuff laying everywhere, maybe we need to remember that Jesus is faithful even when I doubt. I don't know for you what that might be, but I can tell you that this week, Stephanie Deaton's sister had a five-year-old on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and on Thursday, she didn't anymore. She died in her sleep. I don't know what kind of twists and turns life's going to throw at you, 
But that family has been upheaved. And they don't know which way is up. They don't know their way out of this storm that's come into their life. Now, some of you right now are like, how do I get a hold of Stephanie Deaton? You don't need to get a hold of her right now. If you're on the prayer chain, we'll send out a meal train link later this week, and you can help minister to her and her sister's family. Maybe for you it was work where there were rumors of layoffs for two years, and then after two years, the rumors materialized as pay cuts and layoffs. And it was worse than everybody thought. The people you work next to for five years or more are just gone. You don't know where they are. And your pay cut means that it's really difficult now to afford gas and mortgage and food. And life's extremely stressful. Maybe for you, maybe it was the very same thing that's happened to our little Elisa. Maybe your family has experienced a split. And in the midst of that, you don't know how to cope. You're only safe when you close the door to your bedroom and you cry out to Jesus saying, Lord, I don't know where you are because in this storm, all I can see is pain and suffering and ahead of me is darkness and behind of me is pain. And all I know that's going to happen is I'm going to live through pain and suffering. Lord, where are you now? This week, remember when you face that, when you remember that, and when Elisa comes in here and her friends come, not only in this room, but in the gym, they're going to learn that Jesus is faithful. Jesus is trustworthy, even when I doubt. So I said we're going to turn to Matthew 14. That's where we see that Peter learned this very same truth. And he learned it in a time where his life looked like it might be over. I think Jesus sometimes uses those moments to help us remember. Because how quickly do we forget that Jesus is trustworthy? Jesus is faithful even when we doubt. I'm going to read from Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately, he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while Jesus stayed behind and dismissed the crowds. Jesus had just taken leftovers and made lunch for thousands. So Jesus is dismissing that crowd. And after he had dismissed those crowds, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. All the crowds had left. But the boat by this time was far, far away from the land. Beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's 3 to 6 a.m., he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. Don't be afraid. It's me. Be encouraged. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked to Jesus on the water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid 
And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! And Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Now many of us have read this passage. We've heard this passage. We've sat through sermons, probably like this one, on this passage. And we've taken so many things away from such a powerful event where what we need to remember is that Jesus is Lord over nature. He was Lord over fishes and loaves. He was Lord over nature. And following in Matthew's gospel, you'll see he's Lord over sickness and illness. Big giant block of truth that's critical. You can write it in the margin of chapter 14. Jesus is Lord over creation. But then we have these other points that we've all probably got lodged in our heads. Some of us even have them written in the margins of our Bible. And I want to affirm that they're true and that they're important and that we have to live that way. And one of those is that, man, we've got to have faith that does something. So I affirm every sermon you've heard, every teacher you've listened to that says we have to have faith like Peter that's willing to step out of the boat and do something in faith. And this week, some of you have, have you've done that. You've taken vacation or you've shifted your whole schedule so you can work with kids at VBS in the morning and at night in the afternoon, you can go to work. As some of you did this months ago when you said, with my seniority that God has given me, I'm going to declare this week is off for me. And then you've chosen to give that to the Lord in faith. Faith is believing and doing, and you're going to serve at VBS. So that is true. It is absolutely true that we cannot sit still and say, I have faith in the Lord. We have to be like James says, show me your faith by your actions. That's absolutely a point that we should take away from the story of Peter walking on the water to Jesus, the great courage he had to get out of a boat and to walk on water toward Jesus. I think another thing that we often learn from uh, this account of the miracle of Peter walking on water to Jesus is that, that when life gets difficult and we're starting to sink, into that water, that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Because what did Peter fix his eyes on? You've all heard the sermon a thousand times. You've read the scripture. Peter saw the, is, let's say wind together. Peter saw the wind. Okay, I'm just talking about Matthew's account, wind and waves and other accounts, of course. But somehow Peter saw the wind. I would love to ask Matthew about this thousands of years after we're in heaven. How did Peter see wind? We'll just let that go. Okay, Matthew. Uh, I think Matthew needed an editor and he didn't have one. That's okay. Scripture is perfect. So Peter lost sight of Jesus. And it was in that moment where Peter's, you could say Peter's feelings overwhelmed his faith. And I want to just affirm that that's true. We should learn that from this true testimony of an eyewitness. Matthew sitting in that boat, watching Peter get out. We have to remember to fix our eyes on Jesus. But you know what I think we take away whenever we hear everything I just said. Remember to fix your eyes on Jesus. What you walk out of here with, if you are like me, you walk out of here with, oh, I got to remember to be faithful. I got to remember that it's really up to me. I got to remember that Peter started to look at the wind and the waves and 
oh, I, have to, I have to try harder and I have to do better because life is full of twists and turns and trusting Jesus changes everything. See, when our life takes the twists and the turns that we weren't expecting, we may hearken back to this story. Maybe this week you'll have a boss who says something that you can't believe is true. You are faced with a decision that is difficult and terrible, and you have to choose one. And Monday's coming. You've got to choose because you have to show up at work and choose terrible or difficult. Maybe for you, it's a health crisis where the doctors have examined everything and tested your brains out, and there's still no clear diagnosis. And so you're kind of sitting in the middle of a storm, and you would wish that, like the apostles, that you could just see a ghost, because it'd be better than what's going on in life right now. Bill was on the side of the road, thumbing his way, and it was becoming dark. And it was not only dark, but Bill's thumb in his way in the middle of a tempest. It is this massive thunderstorm coming down in sheets, and there's barely a moon. So he notices as he's creeping along the road, trudging to where he wants to go, thumb out. Eventually, two headlights pierce the darkness. He can barely see them through the torrential downpour and the darkness, but through that he can tell that those headlights start to widen because that very slowly rolling car is approaching him. And at first he's kind of excited, but then the slower it approaches, the more he thinks, I can't wait to be dry. And for some reason that he can't explain to himself or to you or to me, whenever that car rolls up to him as slow as a turtle, he grabs the handle of that back door and he sits himself in it and closes the door behind him and he thinks, I'm just glad to be dry. I'm just sick of the storm. Well, it wasn't too long after that that Bill notices the car has no driver and the engine is not on. It's like a modern day ghost story. Bill is, he's sitting in the car and he's dry and he starts to become petrified and he's kind of filled with fear, just like Peter. And he's looking ahead and there's a curve and he's thinking, it's going to be time to bail, but I'm petrified because I'm in ghost car. And this ghostly hand reaches through the driver's side window and steers the car every time Bill gets to a turn. And so Bill just stays in the car. And eventually he sees the light of town and as they approach, he recognizes a pub that he's been to more than one time and he gathers all of his courage and all of his strength and he bolts from the car and he runs straight to that pub and he goes in and he says, I need hot coffee so bad. He's almost unable to talk, but friends, he sits down and he begins to tell the story of ghost car coming and look, he's kind of dry now. So people are starting to begin to believe the story of Bill and the ghost car. He's kind of dry. It's pouring. And he walked from 20 miles that direction. The whole pub begins to believe Bill's story as he wraps up, shivering, clutching his hot coffee. It was about 15 minutes later, two other guys walk into the pub, also soaking wet out of breath, and they see Bill surrounded by the crowd, clutching his hot coffee. And one man says to the other, Bruce, there's the idiot that climbed in the car while we were pushing it. (laughs) Fear clouds our ability. Our feelings 
can sometimes dampen our faith, but fear can cloud our ability to firmly fix our eyes on Jesus. So I'm affirming again, every time you've heard this story told, and every time you've read the scripture yourself, that we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. And how do you do that? It's like, it's like saying, oh, you know, look at him. Okay, he's invisible, right? He knows that he's invisible. He keeps saying, fix our eyes on Jesus. So just two very practical tips. And let's learn from the life of David, because man, we've been in 1 Samuel for at least a week or two. Month or two, anybody? We've been there a while. And so we've observed how David, in the worst times of his life, to date, it gets worse, to date, in the worst times of his life, we'll do two things that Georgetown, we're going to do as we move from everyday people and we make our way by the grace of God, being regenerated by the Holy Spirit, made into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, to the glory of God and for our good, we will pray and we will sing praises. And you've got dozens of psalms where David has recorded his pattern of fixing his eyes on Jesus. So you won't see Jesus like Peter actually got to see, well, what he thought was a ghost. But then Jesus, so Georgetown, when we face a trial like that, we're going to pray and we're going to praise God. So as you go from an everyday person, or even let's say you're a very mature, you would describe yourself as a fully devoted follower of Christ, and God will give you the opportunity to express your faith in him by when trouble comes, when a storm comes, when you wish it was a ghost that you were looking at, he'll give us the opportunity to pray and to praise his name and thereby become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So those are two points that I think you hear a lot of times. But I really like the point that our kids get to learn this week. They will get to fix their eyes on Jesus, like you and like me, like Alyssa, and like whoever this week is facing something they've never faced. But I think my favorite thing is in Matthew 14, 31, as Peter cries out, Lord, save me, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, say it with me, Georgetown, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, how many of you walk away from this passage like I do, thinking that this story, this true testimony of an eyewitness to Jesus' life, his ministry, his death and resurrection. How many of you think that when you read the story, you think about you? You think about your performance. You think about your, hope I get out of the boat. Or you think about your, I'm going to be faithful enough to not fall through the waters when the storm comes in life. Or you think about, bottom line, you think about your performance. If you're like me, you think about your performance when you read this scripture. But you know what our kids get to learn this week at VBS? They get to learn that even when we doubt, even Georgetown, when we doubt, Jesus is faithful. Jesus is trustworthy 
even while we're still doubting. You see that Jesus took hold of him right here. Jesus is being faithful, and he's, he's encouraging him to become more faithful, to become more like Jesus. Jesus, of course, calls him to do that. He could not be God and man and not encourage that. He has to. But friends, this week, whatever you're walking through, whatever Alyssa's walking through, we have to look at the story of Peter getting out of the boat and faltering in his faith and remember that in the midst of our faithlessness, even while we feel guilt and shame and we feel like we're a wretch because he died on a cross and he went to the grave and he's ascended again, and here I am doubting in the midst of this trial. And we begin to start to look where? Where are we fixing our eyes when that happens? You could say like Matthew, the wind, because it's even more powerless than the wind when we begin to look at how we respond. When we begin to reflect on our faithfulness, what we get to invite kids to reflect on this week is Jesus, the perfectly faithful one. And friends, that's what we have to focus on when we're in the midst of a trial, a terrible time. I can't believe my boss asked that because I've got no budget and I've got no manpower and I have to do the impossible. And how am I going to do that? Well, if you're like me, you're going to fix your eyes on probably three months from now when this is all behind us and whatever happens, happens and I hope I still have my job. But instead, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus by prayer and by praising him in the middle of a storm so terrible, we wish that we were seeing a ghost. This morning, I'm going to invite any of you that have not placed your faith exclusively in Jesus for the salvation of your life for the remission, the removal of your sin. I'm going to invite you to come to the front whenever we sing. Friends, there may be some of you that are going to be facing something this week that I don't know about yet, and as your pastor, I would like to know. You're going to be facing something this week that you've never faced before. And I want to encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus, not to reflect on the shame that you feel when you start to feel doubt, but to fix your eyes on Jesus the only perfectly faithful one. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, you give us a church where we get to lift up your name and glorify you for what you've done through the gift of your Son, Jesus, laying down his life every day, and in the end, laying down his life one final time as he goes to the cross to take the punishment for our sin, going to the grave for three days and then ascending to your right hand following his resurrection. Father, you have, in the actions of your son Jesus, made possible for us to have hope eternal, life everlasting, and even life today that is filled with the faith of your son Jesus as you make us into your perfect image. Father, we pray that you restore in each of us 
the ability to trust in Jesus' perfect faithfulness. Father, that if this morning we have not chosen to follow, to lay down our lives at your feet and say, I trust you completely, that you would move in the hearts of those that have not accepted Jesus as their Savior, that you would place on their hearts an unexplainable desire to yield that heart and life to you completely beginning today for your glory, for our good. Father, would you build this church up that we might glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said.